Good afternoon, Alliance members. Um, you know, this is our segment that we do weekly. We have a great guest today, Josh Foster with Serenity Park. He's going to tell us a little bit about what he does and a lot about his life. Are you ready, Josh? I'm ready. Thanks for joining us, Josh Foster, today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We have Russell also. Hey. That face may look familiar. <laughs> so we're going to start off. Josh, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do and what led you to your purpose or your your driven life? Yeah, sure. So I am the uh, officially discharge coordinator at Serenity Park. I'm also a peer in training to get my peer certification. And I've been there for almost five months now. And what led me there was a obviously a 20-plus year-long addiction to drugs and alcohol and otherworldly things. I got sober at a place called John 316 back in 2019 and just felt a, a real calling on my life to help other men that were struggling with the same thing. Uh, there was a book I got turned on to called Holy Discontent. Mm -hmm. And it basically says when you feel something in your, in your soul that lights a fire to make change, that's God using that energy to make the change. And so for me, it was, it was men in addiction. And um, I answered that calling and began teaching classes at faith-based ministries. Uh, Russell got me plugged into the reentry program at Pulaski County. And then through that, I met, uh, I met George Weaver, who's the COO at Serenity Park, and, and got hired on there. And that's kind of the path to what brought me where I'm at today. I love that. Now, I hear the word peer specialist a lot. Mm -hmm. For those of us in the alliance that it may be new, that word, or, or we're not familiar with it, what is a peer specialist? So a peer specialist is, is basically that I'm just a peer. Uh, I'm using my life experience through recovery, uh, through getting clean, through getting sober, and I'm reaching out to walk alongside other individuals that are struggling with the same thing. Uh, I'm not above them by any means. I'm just there kind of as a guide, kind of an encourager, um, kind of helping them find their strengths along the path and helping them find that as they reach their own goals. You know, everybody has a different road to recovery. Everybody's definition of recovery is different. You know, the, the goals I want in recovery are maybe different than what Russell wants in his life and, and so on and so forth. So we're just there as, as a support system. You know, maybe I can point you in the direction to get your license back or a new Social Security card or help you find the steps to get enrolled in school or, you know, help you pay, you know, help you get set up to pay your fines or go to court or give mm -hmm. you a ride to a doctor or just something that you may need um, on your road to recovery. So let me ask you this. Did you have a peer specialist when you were going through your transition into a, a better life? And if you did, do you think that was effective for you? And if you didn't, do you think having one? would have would have helped you along the way um it definitely would have helped more I, I didn't have an actual peer specialist but along the way i had mentors and people that played that role even though they didn't know they were doing it um shortly after uh graduating within the first year of being back out from john three which was a six-month program that i was in i was able to go through a life relaunch that i think you had tim lawson on here not too long ago talking mm -hmm. about he's one of my mentors and i was able to meet Russell Boyd, who's a peer specialist. I was able to meet Kyle Brewer, mm -hmm. um, who is a, a peer specialist. And just in conversations with those guys and me just asking them if they had anywhere they could plug me in, they did that. So in a way, they were a peer specialist along my path, even though I didn't even know what that term was at the, at the time. I, love I, it. I like to think of a peer specialist as just a person with lived experience, but we're just we're going down the same road. We're just a little far ahead. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Not much, you know. 
how did how did being a peer specialist help you on your journey? I mean, did it help you as well as the person you were a peer to? Like, how does that work? Well, we both help each other. Yeah. You know, it's it's one helping the other. Um, so, like like he mentioned, the work that we do, um, it gives us some kind of joy. You know, it solidifies us as um, giving back. Right. And I'm not going to ask all the questions today. I know Russell probably has some questions for you, too. Yeah, I got, I yeah. got a couple questions. <laughs> sure. Um, so, you enjoying your new job? I'm loving it. Loving <laughs> it? Yes. Um, so, when you left John 316, was there a person um, with that title, with that job that you have now that helped men? What do you mean at Serenity Park? No. At John 316, was there a disc case? Like a discharge coordinator? discharge coordinator. No, there really wasn't. Um, They make you come up with your own, what they call an exit plan, uh, where you fill out about a three-page of what you want to do and what you hope to do, where you want to live, where you want to get plugged in. But it's basically up to you. And so when I saw it like that, it made me, when I got this role as a discharge coordinator, want to be a little bit more passionate about it. Right. Because I know how like you come to this point where you're looking for the next step and if you've never been in that position before you have no idea what that even looks like and so it's almost like Scary. I was yeah I was like I was filling out answers that I wasn't even sure yeah. if they were the right answers yeah. right it's almost like I was filling it out hoping they would accept it so they'd let me leave at the six month mark <laughs> to be honest with you that forward thinking yeah exactly yeah, trying to get out of here let me answer this correctly yeah. like, <laughs> you know people in recovery they and, and it's a perfectly normal thing you don't know what the next step looks like yeah. because it's so full into you you've been buried in, in addiction for so long you just you're just ready to get back out there but you have no idea what even getting back out there looks like you know I had to learn who I was outside of drugs and alcohol I had no identity outside of that that was my identity for the majority of my life for more than half of my life actually was just the identity of Josh in drugs and alcohol right so yeah. I can see the fear of not having that so the drugs and alcohol probably is more of a support for you and now that that or a crutch if you now you don't have this mm-hmm. so how am I going to walk right so if you don't have the drugs and alcohol and you're not used to walking or don't remember yeah walking mm-hmm. with without it it you can reinvent be, yourself it can be fearful yeah you, that's scary yeah, yeah. it is yeah, I was blessed to be at a place for six months and so that really helped it, it, it made me kind of sit down you know I'm I'm not shy about faith-based and, you know, I turned my life over to the Lord. And so in those six months when I knew that I had to give myself to that program, well, that program was digging into scripture. And Mm -hmm. so I just learned if I was going to reinvent myself, I was going to follow Christ to, to, you know, redo myself. And so that really helps. But guys in, you know, 30 day programs, that's not a lot of time. Yeah. It's it's not a lot of time to grasp that and hold on to that higher power. Yeah. it's, It's really not. And so that's part of what I do is, help encourage guys to either try and get them plugged into other faith-based places, which a lot of guys don't really see the need to, you know. Um, but also we plug them into IOPs or we plug them into counseling. You know, a lot of guys come in and, you know, they do our classes for 30 days at Serenity Park and they realize they maybe need some trauma counseling. They yeah. realize that the substance abuse is kind of like that was just the Band-Aid. I've figured out that I need some counseling beyond substance abuse. And so it can it can kind of branch off from there and, and go different ways, you know, when you take those Band-Aids off, you know, yeah. of, of the drugs and alcohol. I would say your job is real important. 
you know, if you listen to the people talk, it's one of the most important positions at Serenity Park. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I just, I show up and I just, I'm really passionate about what I do because I really want to help guys. And so for me, I, I would take my job seriously, no matter what my position was yeah. there. I was just so excited to get involved in recovery. And I spent a year, you know, teaching classes at reentry program. I was teaching classes at Hope Alive in Moralton and the other side in Eber Springs. And I was doing it real voluntarily. So when I got the, the opportunity to get paid to do this, I was just so excited to get in there. <laughs> I didn't even really look at the job description too much. I said, yeah, you want to get me in? So I'm hired. And I accepted the job. And then when I jumped in and, and saw what it entailed and how important it was, I, I really um, – it was a relief because it gave me that purpose I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I'm a career underachiever, as you know, you find a lot in addiction. You know, I've, I've always made good grades. I graduated college, but I always flew under the radar, so it wasn't a whole lot expected of me. I was, you know, just underachieving. And so when yeah. I got this job, I was really able to, what I felt like, just, just receive a purpose and just, and just really, um, really kind of keep moving forward and growing in my own recovery by helping other people in theirs. That's good. That's good. So, um, do you deal with families at all of the clients? Um, so I don't too much. That's more of the clinical role. Um, I, I have, occasionally I'll get a call from like a mom or a wife that you know they maybe they they don't want them to come back home. So you had to find somewhere for them to go. Yeah, but normally that's not that's not me. I normally. Um, we'll just deal with the individual and mm -hmm. I just want to know what his now if he's wanting to go home and I get a call saying we're not gonna let him come back home that's about it but I, I really don't want to reach out to family members as much I want to stay focused um, yeah yeah for one I thing was, I don't want to lose the trust that I've gained with that individual yeah. you know I was more so thinking on the lines of like I'm in rehab um, I gotta leave here mm -hmm. I don't have no money um, mom's kind of wishy-washy about me coming back there yeah but she will provide some funds for me to go yeah wherever josh sends yeah. me to in that case yes yeah if it's ever for like the next step sure but if it's ever like to convince them to let them come back home right i'll i'll never do that yeah i don't that's a that's a bit above my my pay grade there so you when you talk about like the peer support and just a support system if it's just um that peer do you think it's it's important for that person that's going through recovery to also have more of a, a, a network of, if it's not their family that's supporting them, mm -hmm. but have a peer specialist and then another group or, or a network, do you think that's important for them to help them through their journey? Absolutely. Yeah. And do you guys suggest like different, do you introduce them to people? Because I know there, if, if someone's used to being around that group that they hung out with mm -hmm. doing the drugs, alcohol, whatever, is there a way that, you know, you can network and connect them to po a more positive environment, yeah, yeah, a absolutely. more positive network? Absolutely. So we, we take the guys out to outside meetings throughout their stay there, mm -hmm. um, guys will oftentimes find their sponsor while they're in Serenity Park by going to various meetings while they're, while they're there. Okay. Um, we go to different ones. We go to faith-based ones. We go to regular 12 steps. We go to NAs. So we try to give the guys uh, what the different community looks like. 
because the last thing you want to do is just give them one avenue mm-hmm. and then they don't like it and it turns them off from every other avenue that there is. And I've even, you know, until I'm actually certified peer, I plug them into other ones. Uh, Casey Copeland is my peer supervisor. I'll plug him in with him, maybe David Laser. Um, so if a, if a client or an individual, I'm sorry, reaches out to me and says, I want to be connected with a peer, then fine. But if not, then we're looking at connecting them with groups. Good. Yeah. That's good. I want to ask, you have a question? No, no, I go ahead. Question. Okay, so at Serenity Park, I know you talked about it's more than just having, that, you know, that substance abuse counseling. You have to mm-hmm. dig deeper. So what do they offer at Serenity Park? Is it trauma counseling, substance abuse counseling, mental health? What all do they offer? Yeah, I don't want to speak too out of pocket, but um, they do offer substance abuse, obviously, but it's a lot of behavioral issues. Um, and then we have three separate, uh, we have three members of our clinical team. We have two counselors in training. Um, we don't do any EMDR or any of that, but we do do, um, we'll also do family therapy. So it's behavioral, it's, it's mental health, and it's substance abuse okay. all rolled into one. Which is good. Yeah, yeah. So, so the groups are mainly focusing on substance abuse and behavior. And then when you get into your one-on-ones, it's just case by case. What does that individual need more? Okay. And does the family get involved a lot? Do it, they come to, like, family or group group therapy? or? Obviously, because of COVID restrictions, well, some yeah. things have changed. However, we do offer, if the family's willing, mm-hmm. right, the family has to be willing, then we can do Zoom calls or we'll break out the iPad and do... FaceTime with the family. Sometimes it's a man and his wife. Sometimes it's the wife and kids. So we try to involve it like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, I know we only have a few more minutes. Um, could you give us in our alliance, can you give us like some nuggets or some takeaways from not only how you have lived and transitioned and being able to go into a job that you love mm-hmm. or your purpose mm-hmm. that you love Give us some nuggets on what you would like for us to take away from from this session with you. So if I only had a few, I would say if you know anybody that's dealing with addiction or you happen to have a family member that's dealing with addiction, I would encourage you to also do some research on what it's like to be in addiction because a lot of times the family has no idea what that person's dealing with. And, and I think the more education that we provide for the family, I think it will end up helping everyone, you know, because while your family member is in there getting treatment, I think it's important for the family to also have a little bit more understanding of what addiction looks like, Mm -hmm. why your family member does what they do, why they become a completely different person when they're stuck in addiction, and it's not the family member that you love, just the way the brain works, it's a completely different thing, completely different animal almost, and... Yeah, because they got a lot of expectations. Like, I sent you to rehab. I paid for it. You should come out perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is a process. Yeah. You know, they may relapse. They may have a whole bunch of character defects that they still have to work out, you know. And that comes from a long years and years of addiction. And that's one of the things. Because I'm like, okay, so there are years to this thing. So 30 days to get it right. Um, you know, it's going to take a little longer than that. Yeah, we, we try to say 30 days, you're really just developing tools mm. to start processing better, to start handling those situations a little better. You know, when you're in that situation and maybe someone's angering you or, you know, you've had a bad day and you're stressing out, it's taking those tools and learning to deal with those situations as opposed to running back into addiction. 
And so 30 days is really just learning to identify tools. You spend the rest of your life using those tools. Yeah. Um, what's the best thing you like about your job? I, I, Besides getting paid. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, what I really love about Serenity Park is that everyone, everyone there that is an employee is in recovery. The clinical team, the owner. Okay. And they really care about every person that comes through that door. And you can tell it. You can tell it by the groups. You can tell it when we do a coin out and you hear the individual that's about to complete our program, mm -hmm. how they talk about the staff. And you, you can just see it's just it's just an area of love and healing, and, and that's what recovery needs to be about. Recovery shouldn't just be about a cookie-cutter model. Yeah. You come in, you sit through this group, 30 days later, you get to go home. It, it should be about every person that walks through that door gets gets a specialized treatment for, for what they're going through. And I think that is what's made Serenity Park successful. It's made us one of arguably the, the top um, recovery centers in Little Rock obviously, if not the state, I would say. And, and that's why we have such high referral rates. You know, the hospitals around here will call us first on their list to try and get people in. Um, and other than that, it's just filling the purpose. It's just dealing with people, individuals, and just seeing those sparks, seeing that light come on in, inside their head to, to where they actually have hope. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's where you're having a one-on-one, -on -one and you're letting them know that you got them set up with counseling, and you found them a place to live, and you might have them a new job when they get out of here, and all of a sudden they're just like, "Wow, I, I did not expect this." It's it, it's just beating expectations of what someone comes in the door with when they're just so beat down, and when they leave, it's almost like you can see the weight off their shoulders uh, about they actually have hope that they can walk a life of recovery. That's where really y'all located? So we are at. 2711 West Roosevelt. We are in between the state fairgrounds and right next door to uh, Pulaski County uh, Detention Center. Okay. Yep. And your hours are? So you can reach us online 24 hours a day. Our office is open from 830 to 5, Monday through Friday, but there's always someone there. There's always someone there to answer the phone, which we feel is an important thing. Mm -hmm. Anytime, you know, it starts with a phone screen. Call and do like a little 10-minute phone screen on where you're at, your addiction, where you're at, and your, your struggles, maybe criminal history, whatever. And so it starts there, and we always have someone to answer the phone. So anytime you call, someone will answer the phone and, and be able to start that process for you to try and get help. And also, if anyone calls and does a phone screen and for some reason we don't feel we can, we can help their situation, mm -hmm. we always refer them to a place where we feel they can get the treatment they need. So it's never just a no and hang up the phone. We're, you know, we care so much that we're going to point you in a direction. Even if it's not with us, we're going to send you somewhere to get some help. Do, um, so does somebody have to get detox and then go there? or We offer medical-assisted uh, detox. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have uh, at, at least four beds always for detox. Detox okay. will take from three to seven days mostly. If it's, a, if it's a really bad case, then we usually point them to the hospital. Um, you know, if it's a severe alcohol detox, if it's a severe opiate detox. Um, but other than that, we uh, so if someone can come in and detox, they'll be seen by a doctor. Mm -hmm. Every time someone's admitted, they're seen by a doctor that day. Uh, we have a nurse on staff. Um, pretty much all the time. Okay. Uh, I think there's some few hours at night where we just have like a, an RDS on staff, but for the most part of the day, we have a, an actual nurse there that gives out meds and monitors you if you're in detox, and we have a doctor that comes and checks on you, evaluates the meds you're on, and maybe switches them up a little bit to see to help. You know, because a lot of time people in addiction, they lie to their doctor. 
so they get prescribed wrong medicines yeah. and that yeah. just amplifies you know yeah. just kind of amplifies the situation they're in Right. So they can detox and then start treatment at Serenity Park too? Yeah, they can detox and start treatment. Or if, if they just want to come in and, you know, we've had people come in and just detox and go to a different facility. Oh, okay. uh, so we're, we allow that as well. You know, we just, we're just, we're just into the business of helping people. So if, if all that looks like to us is someone coming into detox for three or four days and going somewhere else, if we have a bed for you and you, and you meet those requirements, then we'll allow you to come in and doors are open. I love it. Josh, we thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. The Alliance. You guys know Serenity Park on 12th. Give me that address again. 2711 West Roosevelt. 2711 West Roosevelt. We'll see you guys here again next week. Thanks for joining us.